Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. John 12, uh, 31. Jesus said, now judgment is upon this world. Now judgment is upon this world. And the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. Uh, Satan, well, let me say this before I get going there and forget to mention it at the end. Next Sunday, we're having baptism here for the first time ever. Yes. Okay. So you can clap for that. Um, Unless you want to be dunked in the river, we can do that. I wear a wetsuit myself, but uh, we can do that. Um, But we have several that have already said they want to be baptized. The orchard has agreed to let us borrow their baptistry. So uh, Brother Steve Dusek is going to come down and help me set that up Friday. And they said the water gets up to 90 degrees. No, you cannot stay in there for the whole service. Uh, You have to, but it'll be at the end anyway, so that they can be changing while we celebrate. But I tell you, baptism is a wonderful time. It's it's not just a, a something. Baptism is when you say goodbye to the old life going down under the water and hello to the new life. I'm going to walk after Jesus. Goodbye, I was in slavery and sin and the devil could tell me what to do. I was trying to run my own life. I thought I was running every stop sign that I could see and I thought I could show the Lord a shortcut, but I found out he don't need no help from me. All right? And then I come up raised to walk in a new kind of a life. That new kind of a life is a new nature, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit that created the world living in your little tiny you and giving you the power and the desire to do everything that God wants you to do. He will give you new desires and a new power to walk in victory. Yes, you'll have troubles. Yes, you'll have uh, problems. But it is they are not to defeat you. They're to strengthen you. They're to purify you and to bring you to where God really wants you to be. So next Sunday at the end of the service, if you want to be baptized, be sure that you and I have talked. Give me your full name uh, and then be ready to just say a brief word of who you were before Christ and what Christ has done for you. And that'll be a great celebration. So we have several lined up for that and I can't uh, wait for that. So Satan, uh, you know, sometimes when we just think about the, the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, we think, well, he died for my sins. He rose for my sins uh, to, to deliver me from my sins. But there's far more going on in the universe, far more that was going on in Jesus. This is six days before he is uh, going to be crucified. And, you know, at the beginning of the chapter, Mary has come and anointed his feet. She loved him passionately. She broke the container that this perfume was in. And, you know, perfume, little dab will do you, right? She broke the whole container. I mean, this was something a lot more expensive, Chanel Number no. 5 or whatever is popular nowadays. Uh, but uh, broke that, and the whole house was filled with this. Thing. And, and, and Judah said, man, we could have sold that and got a bunch of money for the poor. This he said because he's a thief, 
and he liked to get what was put into the, the money bag. But the other said, man, you know, this, this, we could use this far better. Jesus said, no, this is extravagant love. This is, she doesn't even really know that I'm going to die in six days. I've been telling you all for six months, Jesus said, I'm going to die. On the third day, I'm going to be delivered to the chief priests and elders. I'm going to be crucified, die, and rise again. None of them believed it, even his own mama. It's possible for you to come to church and me be telling you stuff all the time, and you can't even hear. I asked somebody this last week. I said, now, if you wanted to get saved, do you know how to give your life to Christ? And this was after last Sunday. This was after D now. No. <clears throat> you know, why can't you hear? But I'm not, I don't feel bad because Jesus himself spoke to people and they didn't hear. They didn't respond. Listen, uh, from the very beginning, God was fine by him. He, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were fine. They were not discontented and lonely. But they made angels, myriads of angels. The Bible says thousands, millions of angels. And Satan, Lucifer, the light bearer, was leading in the worship. The worship of God the Father. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He was leading in worship before them. And uh, reverence and honor and adoration and praise and glorifying God and magnifying His name, speaking about all of the wonderful things about God as He worshipped Him, extolling Him. It's, it's, it's a word of cherishing. It's a word of esteeming, deifying, magnifying Honoring with extravagant love and extreme submission. Honoring God with extreme love and ex extravagant love and extreme submission. He is worthy. <laughs> Good. Y'all look quicker on that draw. He is worthy. Yes. That's what we were created for, to worship God and to enjoy Him. Forever. But Satan got to watching and, and, and somebody was ta talking to me and said, well, why did God even make it where Satan could disobey? You know, if you have a robot, hi, Michelle, I love you. Hi, Sonny, I love you. Well, that's good. You know, it gets a little bit boring after a while because you just push the button. You know, but if you have a choice and you say, I love you from a warm, loving heart. And you prove that you love by, by extravagant uh, love and by extreme submission. Then you can uh, say, oh, I worship you, God. I love you, God. Well, Satan got to thinking, you know, I would like that. I'm doing a mighty good job leading this choir. I, wouldn't it be great if they were all worshiping me? And he went to some of the angels and said, what do you think of that? They said, well, that's, that's a pretty good idea. Some of them said, no way. You, you're just a created being. You're just like me and all the other angels. You're just made. Anything that you can do, God made it so that you can do it. But Satan was able to deceive, to persuade a third of the angels. You can read in Ezekiel. You can read in Isaiah. You can read in uh, Revelation 12. He took a third of the angels. That's lots and lots of angels. And they were deceived into thinking, we can be happy. We can be fulfilled without God. Some of you sitting here today, you've been deceived by things that are luring you. Things that are trying to take you off. You know, when I'm fishing, 
I try all kinds of bait. I have crickets and I have worms and I have artificial lures and I have little fishies and I have all kinds of things. But my goal is to catch that fish. And when I catch that fish, when he bites my lure, then I want to pull him out and I want to brag about him and I want to exaggerate how big he was and I want to take pictures and if he's big enough I want to mount him on my wall and say I did that. When that fish comes up out of the water and I put him in my net or put him on my stringer he is not a happy fish. When I put him on the stringer and I drag him along beside the boat he's still breathing, he's still alive but what's going to happen? He's alive but the frying pan's coming. Alright? He's alive, but the taxidermist is coming. He's alive now, but he's almost dead. Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. He is a deceiver. Today, listen, this is one of God's words for today. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And he will deceive you to try to get you to think something is better than God at the center of your life. God at the center of your life. If you have a big wagon wheel, there has to be a hub. And every, all the spokes are related to that. God is the center of everything and your relationships, your job, your hobbies, everything should be related to that at the center. You take the center out, the wheel collapses, falls apart. And that's what so many lives have done, collapsed and fallen apart. And then Satan says, you can't be fixed. But God says, yes, you can. Today, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Today, is he the center of your life? Uh, Satan persuaded a third of the angels. They left and they became twisted, evil spirits. They were sent down to the earth and they, they go around on this earth seeking to inhabit people's bodies, seeking to inhabit their lives. And then when they do, they start deceiving and clouding their mind, clouding their goals, leading them to think evil thoughts, leading them to, to further and further bondage. And there is misery and sadness. And I've talked to people like this, and some of, some of you laugh when I say it, and it's not really a joke, but I've met more demon-possessed people in Gilmer County than I met when I was in Africa. And you think that the demons just all moved to Africa. No, no, they're here. And when people are doing drugs, when people are living in flagrant sin, they open the doors to be demonized, harassed, or possessed. And evil spirits can come in and get into your spirit. Evil spirits can come in, get into your mind, will, and emotion. What do you think chronic bitterness is? What do you think chronic pride is? What do you think that is? That is a stronghold. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says we're to tear down every imagination, every thought that comes up against the authority of Christ. Well, how many people are living under the authority of Christ in Gilmer County? Ephesians 2, 2 says the people that are not are being guided in their thinking by the spirit of disobedience, now working in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 2, 2. The evil spirits and the, the evil spirit are working all across. Now, Satan is not like God. God is omnipresent, all-powerful, ever-present, everywhere, all-wise. Satan is an individual created being. So when you say the devil made me do it, I doubt you're that important. It's just some scrawny little twisted demon over there whispering lies into your head. If you believe the lies and accept them in your heart, you become a deceived person. You go after the lure, pretty soon you'll be hot, uh, hooked up there, dragged into the boat, flipping and a flopping, miserable and saying, oh, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, somebody made me do this. No, you are captured. So Satan was in the Garden of Eden. Satan came down into, the, into, into Eden, deceived Adam and Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam made a conscious choice. And when he did, Satan 
the first Adam had authority over all creation. God gave him a job to do. When he signed over, when he sinned, then he turned that over to Satan. And Satan became the ruler of the darkness of this world. He became a usurping prince. The, power, the Bible says prince of the power of the air. Now what this has got to do with resurrection is, is Jesus said, no, I'm not satisfied with that. He is a usurper. He is a rebel. This is not his world. This is my father's world. This is my father's world. God. You may have a different father. Jesus said there are some. Uh, he said, you're not of my father. You're of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father. You will do. Satan was there in, in heaven. He was thrown out. He came to Eden. He came to Cain. It says Cain was of the evil one and murdered his brother. The thoughts entered into his head of jealousy and anger and rebellion against God's way of doing things. And he was there. We find Job serving God. And when Satan came on him, listen, all kinds of terrible things happened in his life. His cows were, were I think it was his cows were, were struck by lightning. His sheep were stolen. Uh, thieves came, stole all his camels, 3,000 camels. That'd be like having 3,000 pickup trucks and all of them got stolen, gone. You know, and then Satan said, well, let me add his body. And God says, okay, but you can't kill him. So he put boils all over him, even the bottom of his feet. He couldn't walk. And he had a piece of clay pottery scraping himself. And in utter misery, let me tell you something. That was Satan on him with restrictions. The Lord Jesus had Satan on him with no restrictions, no holds barred. Go after him. You can do that. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So we have uh, evil spirits, those fallen angels with him, or evil spirits that are across this world. You find David, as he would play for King Saul, the evil spirits would leave King Saul. And then when David quit singing the Psalms, they would come back and harass King Saul. You find David was tempted by Satan to number Israel in pride and brought great trouble into Israel. You find Ahab. He was, are you with me? You still with me? Three of you. Okay. Do I have to start again? No, no. Okay. King Ahab, he was going into battle and he called for the, the prophets of Baal. They came and said, yeah, go into battle. God's going to bless you. Praise God. Go for it. And, and King uh, Jehoshaphat said, is there a godly prophet here? And the godly prophet came and said, yeah, go King Ahab. Go get it. You can win. He said, don't lie to me. Tell me what the God says. He said, God says that God's people today will be without a shepherd. You're going to go up there. You're going to die. Ahab said, well, I'm going to fool him. I'm going to send Ahab into battle in his big uh, kingly regalia. And I'm going to put on the, the, the armor of an ordinary soldier. And it says, a soldier of the enemy drew his bow at random. And an arrow flew and hit Ahab in a chink in his armor. And that day he died according to the word of God. Uh, Satan is at work in the world, but he's on a chain. He is not invincible and he cannot do as he pleases. Uh, there's some things he can do to you because you opened the door, but he uh, is not invincible. Now, you can read this later if you want to write down Ezekiel 28, 16. Ezekiel 28, 16. And Isaiah 14, 12. Ezekiel 28, 16. Isaiah 14, 12. You can read about that later because we don't really have time to read those now. Jesus came to the earth. The Son of God grew up as an adult. And then he was at age 30. He was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And as he was baptized, what came down on him? The Holy Spirit came down on him in the shape of a dove. And John had been given this sign. This is the Messiah. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then the Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness. And he fasted for 40 days. And then 
The devil came to him. Now, how many, well, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever fasted 40 minutes while you're looking at Krispy Kreme donuts? 40 hours. Can you imagine 40 days? 40 days fasting there in the wilderness. Moses did that. Elijah did that. But here's Jesus. Then the devil comes and says, you got the power. Make the stones into bread. And he began tempting him. And Jesus answered him, it is written, it is written, it is written. He answered him with the word of God. The last thing that Satan asked him to do was worship me. That's what Satan's after in your life and my life. And he'll come in the sneakiest ways. He will put objects out there. He'll put things out there, relationships out there. Anything he can do to get you distracted from worshiping Jesus into distracting something out here in the life. And let me just remind you of what worship is about. I gave you those words a while ago. It's reverence, a profound respect mixed with love and awe. It is honoring, adoring, praising. Uh, praying to, glorifying, making great. You say, well, I don't pray to any object, don't you? What are you looking to for security? What are you looking to for significance? What are you looking to for satisfaction that makes you say, well, I know I should read my Bible and pray. What's that next word? But I don't have time. I don't. Uh, somebody was telling me they couldn't do something yesterday. I said, really? Uh, we were talking about fasting. I said, oh, she said, I couldn't fast for a day. I said, if I told you I'd give you $1,000 to fast three days and just drink water, could you do it? A big smile came on her face. She suddenly had a new vision of the possibilities in her life. It's what the reward is. She said, well, yeah, probably not. But I said, $1,000, $10,000. Oh, well, we're suddenly getting motivated. Yes, we can do a whole lot of things when we feel the reward is great enough. Worshiping. Making, you know, when we worship God and we, uh, we, we make Him great, exalt Him, glorify Him, extol Him, uh, cherish Him and treasure Him and esteem Him, deify Him, make Him God in our life, magnify Him, honor Him with extravagant love and extreme submission. He's worthy, as I said before. Psalm 96, 8 says, Give the Lord the glory that's due to His name. Satan wanted that worship from Jesus, but Jesus said, No, worship the Lord God and Him only. Shalt thou serve? In, in uh, Luke 10, 17, the disciples went out and Jesus gave them power and they went out. And you can write down these scriptures. You should have a pen and paper like you do at D now. Write down these things because there's no way we can talk about all of them. But you can look later. In Luke 10, verse 17, Jesus sent out the disciples and he gave them authority over demons and to heal and to do all kinds of things. And they came back and said, oh, Jesus, they were awesome. Man, this demon-possessed dude was there. And in your name, I said, demon, go out and leave him alone. And the evil spirit went out. It was neat. Jesus says, yes, I watched Satan falling from heaven like lightning. You know, in the spirit realm, Jesus could see into the spirit realm and he could see Satan was up there. What, what does Satan do in the presence of God? Pardon? No, not at the presence of God. In the presence of God, what is he doing all the time? Accusing, he's called in Revelation, the accuser of the brethren. He's called slanderer. He is saying things about you. Do you know that, Joey Sullivan? And some things he says are true and some things he says are lies because he's a liar and he's the father of lies. But he is accusing us. Uh, he's accusing uh, Henry and he's accusing uh, Ace and he's accusing me in the presence of God. But while he was up there, he got an emergency alert. What? What's going on down there? He came streaking down to heaven like a bolt of lightning. He said, what's going on? They said, oh, oh, the, 
those scrawny disciples. They've been walking around with Jesus and they came with them. They, they threw us out of our house. We were living in this guy. We were having such fun tormenting him. And they came and told us in Jesus' name, get out. And we, we had to leave. And the devil said, oh, I've got to watch him. I've got to start after him. And there, there's a battle going on. Ephesians 6 says that there is a battle going on with principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. But this scripture that we're reading today, the effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is an incredible thing that will cause us to rejoice uh, be, before him. Matthew 12, 18, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God is here. He said, if you want to rob a strong man's house, what do you do? Break in, tie him up. Then you can pillage his house and take it. And Jesus said, I've come here. There's a strong man, Satan. But I'm going to tie him up. I'm going to bind him. And then I'm going to pillage him. He said, the, the gates of hell cannot stand up against the kingdom of God. Now, I used to think the gates of hell shall not prevail. But that, because I thought of the, the kingdom of the devil trying to attack Christians and us behind a stump there with a little shield. and Quit. You know, but no, 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 no. It's the opposite picture. He's at heaven's gate saying, You can't bother me here. Leave me alone. These are mine. I got them. I deceived them. They are so sinful. They are so sorry. There's no hope. Leave them again. The kingdom of God comes in and says, No, there's nobody that's hopeless. There's nobody that he can't change. Uh, the sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. So, uh, Jesus said, the finger of God has come now among you. And he says there in Matthew 12, 28 uh, and 29, he who's not with me is against me. Whose side are you on? Matthew 16, 18 is the one that says, the gates of hell cannot stand against the kingdom of God. Peter was talking to Jesus and Jesus said, now, now y'all, I want you to get ready, get prepared in your minds and your hearts. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. And I'm going to die. Now just a little while before God said to Peter. Oh blessed are you Peter. The Holy Spirit's revealed this to you. Now what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me Satan. You don't savor the things that be of God. Is it possible for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? And then in a little while the devil to speak to you. Yes, the, speakers try, the devil's trying all the time to speak. If you receive his lies into your head and evil spirits lies into your head, then you can be deceived. You can be lied to. And listen, listen to this. When you receive the lie into your heart. Now, I, I've had lies spoken into my head. And I'll say, no, that's not right. Do this. Do that. Think this. Think that. That person is this. That person is that. And I know better. You know, one, one time a thought came to me uh, when I was over at East LJ about one of the guys who was a deacon there. A bad thought came. And I said, no. I don't think that. See, the devil will try to trick you. He'll speak in the first person into your ear. I think so-and-so is such a jerk. I think so-and-so is such a liar. I bet you they're doing this. No, 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 no. Don't, don't receive that if it's not true. If you know in your heart it's not true, say no. That's a lie. The Word of God says this. Uh, and, and I was able to say about that man, no, he's a godly man. He's my brother in Christ. He is not like that. That is a lie. Satan is trying to deceive me, trying to bring division, trying to bring uh, trouble. Satan is alive and he's uh, causing uh, trouble. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, if you're not a Christian, the God of this world, little g, has blinded the minds of those who've never given their life to Christ so that they can be deceived and go into darkness. So let's read our scripture here again. Now, John chapter 12, verse 20. John 12, 20. It says, 
Now, there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. So these are Greeks who've come from another place and they've come to Jerusalem to worship all that they know of God. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew told, and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, when the Bible talks about the hour has come, uh, it, it's not talking about 60 minutes. It's talking about this time period that's here. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus thought of His death and resurrection as glorification. Now, when we think of glory, uh, sometimes we think of bright shining like there at, at the uh, transfiguration. And there is a glory of God that shines in heaven. There is a glory. But here, to be glorified, this is when He's going to be made famous. He's going to be made famous, glorified. When He comes up out of the grave, Jesus is going to be made famous. God is going to made, be made famous. Verse 24, Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, as we baptize you next week, you will be going into the water saying, I died to my old life. I died to being in charge of my own life. And I come out surrendered to Jesus to walk with Him. He is my King. He is my Lord. He is my Master. And I walk with Him. And Jesus said, I have to die so that I can bring forth the salvation of the world. Verse 25, He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Jesus, listen. Now, you still with me? I know it's warm. Can't help it. Um, uh, but Jesus said, if you lay down your life for other people, let the love of God shine through you into other people's lives, you get it back. I'll tell you that's true. To the extent that he asks me to do things and I do that, oh, the blessings that come. But if you hog your life, say, I haven't got time for that. Not doing that. Not doing that. I haven't got time for this. Uh, I'm going to run my own life, do my own thing. You've got to take care of yourself. Don't care. You'll lose everything. You lose everything because you wither up. You know, if you're just looking at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, how fine I am. Uh, you know, when I go to the pictures, I hold my own hand. Well, that, that won't, uh, won't help you any. But when you lay down your life, Jesus didn't just lay down his life arbitrarily. He laid down his life because the Father asked him to. And when God asks you to become involved in other people's lives, asks you to go and, and do something sacrificial, that is the God kind of love. Self-sacrificing to a long extent, love. And so he says, he who loves his life, if you hang on selfishly to your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll lay down your life and, and your love for God be compared to be like hatred for everything else in this world, you'll keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, Jesus said, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let me just say something real quick there. If, are, are you serving God? Is the kind of lifestyle you live. If I came and told your teacher, oh yes, this, this young person, one of ours at church, they're a good young person. They, would the teacher go, got you fooled? That'd be terrible. I pray that if I go to Chick-fil-A that Betsy can say to me, 
Yes, those young people, they work hard. They're respectful. They will do go above and beyond what they're supposed to do. Those are good young people. Those are the young people. Send me some more of them. And, you know, we're really proud of our young people being there. And it's a joy to me to come in and to see you there. But I pray that wherever God has placed you in life, that you're a person of character, a person of love for God. And anybody who says that person is a Christian, that they say, well, yeah, they are. They're a bit weird. But, man, they sure do love God. And you can trust them with anything that you've got. That's the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be serving the Lord Jesus and to be like him. Verse 27, now Jesus said, my soul has become troubled. He said, I'm thinking about what God wants me to do. And what shall I say? See, Jesus knew. Now, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, uh, all of us have to die. And so if I die and you're still alive, you can know that one of my very last thoughts was, I love you, Martha. I love you, Sophie. And then I hope this doesn't hurt. You know, there's some people died painful deaths. You know, crucifixion's are the most awful way to die that man can imagine. Jesus knew he was going to be crucified. I mean, if you can think of somebody that you just hate and you want them to die slowly and miserably, crucifixion is the way to do it. Uh, the Romans perfected it. And they would take, you know, when Jesus was condemned to death, they flogged him. They tied him to a post, hands up here, feet here and then two or three soldiers would take whips with nine lashes on them and uh, pieces of metal and stuff on it and then one would stand over here and rear back and hit him hard as he could and then jerk it see if he died there they didn't have to waste time going to crucify him and do all that so they didn't just say oh hey, I hope this doesn't hurt no, like your mama giving you a whipping no 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 this is one, one man reads back does that and he jerks it the other guy on the other side, wham, they would become exhausted. And they beat Jesus and they uh, scourged him there, hoping that he would die. Those, when they pulled like that, flesh became, uh, and internal organs became visible. Then if you survived that, then they took him in there and they put a crown of thorns, not little tiny rose thorns, little quarter inch long things, great big long thorns. They wove them into a crown, put them on his head and they took a reed because it hurt their hands to touch it and whacked him on the head. Hail, king of the Jews. And they put a robe around him and mocked and scorned him. How many of you hate to be mocked and scorned? I mean, when people say stuff about you and start mocking you and scorning, it just hurts your feelings and you cry. Oh goodness, they said terrible things about him. Mocked and scorned him. And he had the power. I mean, he just cleared the room right then. You know, Elijah called down fire, a whole platoon of soldiers. Gone. Jesus had the power. But he knew that evil was coming in on him and he was dying on purpose for you and for me. To deal with the evil that Adam had brought into us, the first Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. The evil that had come into us and we can't help ourselves. The Bible says the heart of man is wicked above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know the depths to which any of us will go? So then after they've been beaten, made fun of, mocked and scorned, then they make him carry the cross. Jesus couldn't even carry it all the way. His body was breaking down. But then uh, uh, they got Simon to carry it for him. Then they put him on the cross. They throw you down, nail your hands. And they leave your hands where you can push up and push down. So they nail your feet together, nail them. So you push up to get a breath. And then it hurts so bad you drop. And that scrapes your back up and down, that rough cross. 
And whether it was a stake above, above you like this or like this, either way, they did it, did it both ways. It was painful. <clears throat> Choking, your tongue swelling, your throat closing, you're in utter misery, slowly dying. While the Pharisees stand over and say, big deal, Messiah. Come on down off that cross. They will believe in you. But Jesus knew. They'd seen all the other signs he did. They'd seen the feeding of the 5,000. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him heal the lepers. They weren't going to believe in him. They were enemies of his. I hope you're not one kind like that. And then uh, Jesus died. He says, my soul has become troubled. He knew what was coming. And he said, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Now listen to me quickly. I'll just give you one of my little pet peeves. I don't like it when people say Jesus at the last moment in the garden was praying to dodge the cross. All the prophecies said the cross was the way that he would die. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53 said he was going to die a sacrificial death for us. Uh, the Jesus for six months has been telling them, I'm going there to the cross. So is he suddenly going to be a, make himself a liar? Is he going to pray for God to not do something that God has already said is the only way that we can be atoned for? No, I think there's another explanation. I think Jesus in that garden, he said, I am sorrowful unto death. Satan was turned on him in full power. God holds him back from us. And as the Satan pushed down on him, as evil began to come on him, he said, I'm sorrowful to death. Pray with me. Pray with me, brothers. And he cried out loudly to God. Hebrews says, to him who was able to save him from death. And his prayer was heard. And God saved him from death there in the garden. An angel came and strengthened him so his body was strong enough. Because Jesus loved you so much, he wanted to go to the cross. He loved the Father so much, he wanted to go to the cross so that he could die for you and me. Amen? That's love this is amazing love and he wanted to go there so jesus as he's thinking about it he said should i ask no no he says this is why i came that's what i want to do set his face as a flint to go die for you verse 28 father glorify your name make your name famous and a voice came from heaven you know a voice came from heaven when he was baptized this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased a voice came from heaven when he was transfigured said this is my son in whom i'm well pleased be quiet peter listen to him and now a voice comes from heaven and says i have glorified my name i've made it famous and i'm going to glorify it again this is god's goal is you no know, we've been saying it is god happy that's the purpose of your life to make God happy to live to please him by the power of the Holy Spirit out of a heart of love so the verse 29 the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying uh, it had thundered some were saying an angel spoken to him but Jesus said this voice didn't come for my sake but for your sake now listen judgment is upon this world now the ruler of this world will be cast out and I if I'm lifted up from the earth will draw all men to myself but he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. The crowd then answered him, We've heard that the, the, the law in the law in the Old Testament that the Christ is to remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so the darkness doesn't overtake you. He who walks in darkness doesn't know 
where he goes or where he's going. You're lost. You're in danger. You're walking around in the dark. You could fall over a cliff. You could fall in a hole. No telling what's going to happen. Walking in darkness. Verse 36. While you have the light, Jesus said, while you have me, believe, put your faith in me, surrender to me, so that you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself. Four things. Verse 31. Now is judgment upon this world. Listen, listen. You're already on death row. If you're not a child of God. You're already on death row. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. If your sin is not dealt with. You are on death row waiting execution. God loves you. In John chapter 5. Let me just. You can leave that scripture up there. I'll read you John 5. 24 to 29 very quickly. Just listen. John 5, 24 to 29 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and doesn't come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Jesus said, Truly, truly, pay attention to me. Listen to what I'm saying. I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son, to Jesus, to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he's the Son of Man. Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all, everybody who's died, will hear his voice. And they will come forth, those who did good deeds, to the resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds, to the resurrection of judgment. Everybody is in one uh, place or the other. Uh, in, in Romans, uh, in Galatians 2.20, says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The whole world is under judgment. And Jesus came to deliver us from that judgment. Verse, the second thing there, Satan is cast out. Now, Satan was not annihilated at this time. Satan was not bound at this time. But Satan was defeated at this time. The prince of the world uh, was cast out, defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the guilt that we had on us, that he accused us for, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died physically. He said, it's finished. The physical part was dead. Then his spirit came from there, took the spirit of the thief on the cross who had surrendered to him to paradise. And then he went from paradise, it says in Peter, down to hell, to the spirits in prison. And he preached there. He went to the very depths of whatever we had to suffer. The Bible says the hell is like pits of darkness. And he went down into that darkness, that absolute blackness of evil, malignant darkness. And he was there to the third day. Then on the third day, he became glorified. In that dark place, he began to get brighter and brighter. In that uh, dark place, his character, the Jesus, uh, God had accepted his sacrifice. And up from the grave, he arose. He came out of hell. He came out of there. And he uh, took paradise and everybody, every spirit of Moses and all of them, he took that to heaven with him. And then he came back and the women came to the tomb, his mom and all of them, and they found the stone rolled away, not so that he could get out, but so that they could get in and see that he was risen. Listen, people will die for something that they believe is true, but nobody's going to die for something they know is a lie. Stay with me. This is real important. 
All of the disciples thought he was dead. His mama thought he was dead. They thought, we blew it. We, we don't understand how this happened. He told them he would rise from the dead. When they saw him, can you imagine his mama? She saw him die. A sword pierced her heart with pain and agony. And she went home and cried and cried. Said, oh God, you said he was the redeemer of the world and he's dead. And the, the, the two men on the road to Mass, they're, Emmaus, they're going along. And they said, oh, we thought he was the redeemer. And now he's dead. Haven't you heard about this? And Jesus began to show them from the whole Old Testament where he was in the Old Testament. And he spoke to them and their hearts burned in them with the joy of the gospel that he was saved. The disciples, all they were afraid. Peter was afraid of a girl when she challenged him, said, you're one of his followers. But after Jesus rose from the dead and he touched him, saw him, and was with him for 40 days, he was, all of the apostles except John died a violent death. James was stabbed with a sword. The other James had his head cut off. Peter, they, tradition says, was crucified upside down. He said, I'm not worthy to die the way my master died. All of them died violent death. Would they die a violent death just pretending that he rose? Try to perpetuate that? What good would that do then? No, 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 no. They saw him. They said, you do what you want to do. We know what we have seen and heard. So the first thing is, the world is judged. And Jesus came so that we could be uh, rescued. Satan was cast out. The third thing is, uh, verse 32. It says, and I, if I am lifted up, will draw all to myself. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke to my heart and drew me to him. For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son, that if I would put my faith in him, I wouldn't have to perish, be separated from God, but have everlasting life. And you could put your name there. I hope that you have done that. Uh, he draws us. He's like a magnet drawing us, and we respond to him. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Let me, don't turn there. Uh, I'll just read it quickly. And the band can go ahead and come up if you'd like to. I'm going to close with a song. Acts 26, verse 18. says, Paul, God told Paul, he said, I want you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who have been sanctified by faith in me. God told Paul, I want you to open their eyes so that they can turn from darkness to light. That's what we're praying for you today if you've never done that. From the dominion being under Satan's control to God. So that they can receive forgiveness of sins. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you still bear the weight of your sins. And an inheritance amongst those. Become joint heirs with Christ. And all those who have been set apart by faith in Him. So in what sense was Satan, Satan's weapon there. Satan's weapon was our being unforgiven. Now stay with me right here. Today you're either forgiven or you're not forgiven. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the evil one. Today you're a child of darkness or a child of the light. It is your choice. God has given you that choice. You're either deceived or you're walking in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus in, in these two verses, three verses here said, The world is judged all under sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Satan, when Jesus rose from the dead, was defeated. 
and our redemption was purchased. Jesus is drawing people to him. And then verse 36 says, While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of the light. So you can give yourselves to him. Man of sorrows. What a name for the son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a savior. Say that with me. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Try that again. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let me do it again. We'll do the first verse again. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. What a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. The spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement. Can it be? Lifted up was He to die. It is finished, was His cry. Now in heaven exalted high. When He comes, our glorious King, all His ransomed home to bring. Then anew this song we'll sing. I hear the Savior say, your strength indeed is small, small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me your all in all. Maybe you could just kill the instruments for a second. I would like us to sing this chorus okay. together. Uh, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow again. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lo, in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior, waiting for that coming day, Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from that dark domain, and he rose forever with his saints, a victor with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus, my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead, Jesus, my Lord, death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph o'er his foes, he arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Jesus said, Satan is coming towards me, but he has nothing in me. Satan is coming to attack me, but I'm going to defeat him. Satan was judged. He was defeated. And the thing that he had, the sword that he was holding against you and me, was that we were unforgiven. But praise God, through faith in Jesus, I'm forgiven. Are you? Today, if you're not a child of God, you, as, as we play and sing this last song, if you're a child of God, rejoice that you've been set free from the prison house of sin. Rejoice 
that you were on death row, but now you're a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus, a child of the light, following after Jesus, and that you have victory in the name of Christ and the blood of the Lamb. If you're not a child of God, it's profound, but it's simple. Yesterday I did a wedding for a couple, and I said to the young man, do you take this woman whose hand you're holding to Jordan, do you take her to be your lawfully wedded wife? And we said the words, and he said, I do. Man, that's two little words with a lot of weight to them. Then I looked at her, and I said the same thing. And I said, do you take him? She said, I do. And I pronounced them, man and wife. Something profound happened. Jesus came all the way from heaven. He opened his arms wide on the cross for you. He died for your sin nature that produces sins in your life. He died so that God could justly forgive your sin. And the evil heart could be removed from you. And you could have a new nature and become a child of the light. A child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that you could follow after Him. Receive a new nature. Have you got that new nature today? It's not enough just to believe Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The demons believe that and they tremble. The devil believes that and he trembles. Have you surrendered to Him? Are you following after Him? Are you walking in His ways? Don't cling to something that you did way back there if you're walking in darkness. If you're all the time walking and you never have victory over the world, the flesh and the devil. If you don't have love for the brothers and sisters, you don't have answered prayer. You don't have victory over the world, the flesh and the devil. You don't have the witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. You don't have answered prayer. You're not a child of God. First John gives you all the measures of how to know if you're a child of God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You're not saved by works, but I tell you what. When a pig gets a cat nature, it'll be a different pig. When a pig gets a cat nature, it's going to be a different pig. When you get the nature of Jesus in you, you'll be a different person. If today there's any doubt in your mind, eternity's too long to be wrong. Jesus just didn't come to save you from hell. He didn't just come to get you to heaven. He came because he wanted to obey God and make the way for you to come back to God because he loves you. And then he wants you to live a life of service to him out of a heart of love. So today, if you need to give your life to Christ, I'll be standing right here. You can come down. If you've wandered far away from him, you may need to come kneel down here and say, Oh God, I'm sorry for where I've been. Uh, if you need to um, praise him for all he's done for you, that's a good thing to do too. This is a wonderful day to thank God for everything that's happened through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God bless you. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe He's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.